right, Chema. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't if we didn't address the undecided voter, if that is actually such a thing. But if we didn't address if we didn't address the undecided voter, we would definitely be missing an opportunity here. So, Chema, I just want your one sentence message for the supposed undecided voter. Are you fucking kidding me, bro? Like, I don't know how anybody could be undecided at this point in time, man. That's my message. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> um, I, I, here, here you go. This is a little bit more in depth, but it's still one sentence. Hold your two index fingers up. Hold your thumbs out perpendicular from your index fingers. The one that looks like an L is in fact your left hand. Just <laughs> in case in the future you're confused about directions um, you don't know which hand you use to do anything with. You're trying to put together furniture and you can't fucking figure out why things aren't fitting in the where they should fit in. That's your left, and the one that doesn't look like an L is your right. <laughs> For a second there, I'm actually doing this, and I was like, why does my left hand not make the L? And I'm like, oh, there you go. I understand. <laughs> so there you go, undecided no, good voter. Stuff. Good stuff, man. There you go. All right, let's move on. That's, that's all the time that... Und- that's all the time that undecided voters get here on this podcast. So let's move on yeah. um, real quickly here to the presidency itself. Um, this is just I'm, I'm curious about this because, you know, like the the standards to be the U.S. president are pretty fucking lax. Um, probably. I mean, I guess people know about it, but maybe they don't like, you know, maybe it doesn't like come front of mind necessarily. But here are the current requirements to be a president to be president of the United States. Be a natural-born citizen of the U.S., be at least 35 years old, and you have to have lived in the United States for at least 14 years. That seems like three very low bars to cross, um, quite frankly. So, mm-hmm. Chema, I just want from you four additional requirements that you think should be added to be eligible for the president of the United States. Oh, dude, I have no problem adding a couple more to that real, real lax criteria to be president of the United States. And some of these some of these you might have with me here. So I'll just go down the list. And uh, this person has to have run for one government office in some way, shape or form. It doesn't matter what it is. They have to run for a government office, run for an election just so just so they have it. So there is somebody who has at least had government. Now, granted, this is not going to crop um, or even cut down the what I'm sure will be the future of celebrity um, politicians and presidents. Believe me, we're, it's this ain't going away. Mm-hmm. We'll at least see it one more time before we leave. Before Logan we Paul, 2030. Away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or 2028, 2028. <laughs> uh, anyway, get sorry. Him, get, him up on, get him on the ticket. <laughs> um, but uh, so like they have to do at least one term in a governing position of some kind it could be the school board you could be running for assistant da the da a judge it could be whatever it is so there's one elected uh thing you have to to run and win uh i want 10 years of tax returns especially after this president we deserve to know if our politicians are criminals if they owe money to foreign entities Mm -hmm. we deserve to know that information that is bar fucking none right there um the third uh one that i have is this is more of like a character thing but i don't necessarily know what the final piece of criteria would be but there's got to be something that we can't elect anymore like accused rapists and just basically outright shitty asshole people so i'm thinking like a like a list of crimes you know like a crimes that are pretty Mm -hmm. like on the negative side 
you can't be accused. You can't have charges brought against you for like rape or pedophilia or something like DUIs. Yeah, it's okay. Believe me, I wouldn't be president then. I'm still not going to be president, but a DUI that that stuff's okay. And at least in my mind, it seems like a DUI is almost like a rite of passage these days. But um, if you're talking about real crimes, murder, rape, uh, incest, whatever it is, those things you cannot, if you're accused and brought charges of, you cannot do this, especially the brought charges part, because everybody is, every politician, every a great deal of public figures will be accused of something in the future that, that that's not going away, whether it's true mm. or untrue, the accusations will be there for everybody. Uh, so, so we have to do something about that. And the last one, probably the more controversial of the three, because this, if this criteria was in place, we wouldn't have Joe Biden uh, in the position that he's in, but I'm capping the age at 70. So you have to be younger than 70 years old to run for president. And this is strictly because as a 70-year-old person, you are not what you used to be, both physically and mentally. And um, believe me, there I, I just settled on this age. It was the first number that came out came off the top of my head. But um, we do need somebody with mental, mental and physical acuity to be able to run the most powerful nation in the world. And if Biden makes it till he's 82, more power to him, dude. Great that he got to spend his golden years in the White House, but um if, if it, believe me there if the, joe biden's a career politician so if you're going to have an 82 year old in office this is probably one of the few 82 year olds you're going to want mm-hmm. to have in office but in the future we just we can't really we can't do that anymore I mean, we, we just can't there has to be somebody who's just at least of the ability to kind of sort of be like something resembling of like the prime of their life so they, they just want to cap put an age cap on it and that's the last one i have um, I do you have two of mine um, there, so I'll start off with I'll start off with um, I'll, I'll start off with those. Um, I agree with you that you need to have prior government work experience. I actually don't care if you won an election of any variety, but you need to have worked in the government to understand mm-hmm. how it works. So it could have been an appointed position. You know, you could have been appointed. Um, I, I don't know, you could have been appointed to the cabinet or something. Um, it could be an elected position, obviously Congress. Uh, could be go- you know, state governor, state representative. Um, that's fine. Or you could even be hired in. You could have been hired in to work at the IRS. You could have been hired in to work um, in, in you know, the, the, the DOJ. doesn't really matter to me, just as long as you've actually worked in the government pr- before. That's like, that's like number one minimum requirement. Um, second one here. You need to have an advanced education. That not specifically college. That doesn't have to be exactly college, but you at least need to have an associate's degree, some kind of certificate that you know something beyond high school algebra. Um, you know, so obviously college is included. Post grad, PhD, that's fine. Associate's degree, I already said. You could have a certificate that allows you to. I mean, I don't know. You could be like a certified, uh, you know, like a state tested nursing assistant. That's fine. Mm -hmm. It just shows that you took the initiative to do something more um, after high school. Um, So there's that to to kind of get back to to one that uh, the the, your one that you thought was controversial. I don't think is at all controversial. I'm making my age cap sixty six. Nice. It is twofold reasoning. One, um, just to sort of you know just to sort of um, hit on what you're talking about. Like as you get older, 
most people have a decline in their mental mental and physical capacities. It's just what happens. Um, I really do not want a sitting president to fucking die or have to be repeatedly hospitalized because of how old they are. That would just be that would be terrible, and it would really throw it would really throw the government for a loop if suddenly the vice president essentially had to take over the reins. Like, what if they're like midway into you know into their second term, and there's like a lot of stuff that they they're trying to get through, and suddenly the vice president has to be in charge of all this. Like, it's not that it would be chaos; it just things would be more difficult. Um, right. But also, when you hit your seventies, you are no longer representative of the majority of Americans. So, you know, like I said, good for Joe Biden that he's still out there. Uh, you know, he's he's hit the trail and doing all that stuff. Joe Biden is now not like most of the country. And right. <laughs> once you hit this age, um, once you hit retirement age and older, then it's you are you are now you are now in a place where just most people aren't life life wise. So I think we need to cap that. Um, and then this is this is my controversial one. It's actually just an elimination of a previous of one of the previous requirements, um, and I would eliminate the natural born citizen provision. That what if the best person to run our country is from Canada, was born in Canada, and they mm-hmm. happen to live here now after you know so many years. So I would change that from a natural born citizen to a naturalized citizen, but you have to have lived in the U.S. for at least twenty five continuous years. You couldn't have been born in Australia, you know, moved to the United States at 10, became naturalized, moved back to Australia for 15 years, and then came back, you know, and now, now you know, now, now 15 years later, 35, and then, like, you can suddenly run. No, you needed to be here from age 10 to 35 to, to hit that provision. So I would eliminate the natural born citizen provision. There are smart people who understand who understand governing and understand people that just don't happen to be from within our borders. Uh, yes, and I love <clears throat> the elimination of the natural born citizen element of this whole thing. And I'll tell you, like, there's a whole flock of dreamers, and there's people from Latin America that have come over here that have not been born in this country and everything, and they're here from age one, probably six months, whatever. They're here for a long time. They're just not born here in America. Right. And I got to tell you, like, if you come over here at one and you're 40 years old and you spent 39 years here, and that's as, that's as American as you could possibly get, yeah. dude. Like, and these voices from Latin America, these younger voices that are that are here now or they're in the process of citizenship or even if they're in a fucking cage in a border thing in Texas, these voices will shape the future of this country and everything like that. And how could we possibly deny the most – intelligent, the most charismatic, the most powerful of a political force, the opportunity to contend for the White House just because when they were six years old, they were born in transition coming into America. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Go go ahead and bookmark this, that when we're in our 50s, excuse me, when we're in our 50s, one of those kids in cages is going to be a congressman somewhere in, in Texas or Arizona or something. Book it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen for fucking sure. I, I can already see the political co- commercial playing in yep. my head right now. Yes, that's yep. going to happen. Uh, so there you go. Just a, just a, give me a, give me a quick quick recap of your of your four additional, um, you know, stipulations, requirements. Uh, must hold a, a government office. Mine was must run for an elected office. So they got to win an election. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have reducing or putting a cap on the age at 70. 
then we also uh, have, let me get to bring up the list here again. Um, it is, uh, hold on, sorry about that. My, my phone froze up on me for a second. Um, it is going to be uh, 10 years of tax returns and um, some kind of criteria involving their character. No uh, rapes, no murders. No, gotcha. no, You can't be charged with any of those crimes. Sorry gotcha. about that. My phone froze no up problem. on me. Oh, no problem. So there you go. Like those. And just to recap mine real quick, uh, you need to have an advanced education of some variety. Um, along with Chemas, you need to have prior government work experience. Um, aid, I'm capping the age of, of your, you know, capping the age at 66. And I'm eliminating the natural born citizen provision to be replaced with a naturalized citizen that's lived in the U.S. for 25 continuous years. Um, so there you go. There, there's our, our changes to the presidency. Honestly, I think if you want if you want two legitimate ones that would be that would be adopted i think from both of us the prior government work experience or you know winning election whatever mm -hmm. and then i could see them requiring you to have gone to college to be the president yeah i could see that that one is one that um i think is a pretty much a given, you know, I think people are going to want that the age group, the age thing. Oh man, there'll be people lining up around the block. All the uh, seniors in the, uh, in the Congress right now will be lining up around the block to oppose that amendment. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so there you go. Changes we'd make to the presidency. Uh, Chum, let's get into, we can't, we can't be all serious on this show. There's just no way we could fucking do that. So we're gonna have some fun here to close out. Um, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to imagine ourselves that you and I just got appointed to a new office. It's called the Office of National Entertainment Policy and Standards. You and I are now the new entertainment czars in America. Um, we get to make sweeping decisions like the drug czar. We get to make pretty sweeping mm -hmm. decisions in all realms of entertainment. But for this, I want you just to focus on one particular item that's going to be on your agenda. And I want you to kind of extrapolate and give me... What this, you know, what you're, what you're essentially going to war against, or you know, going to war for, I guess, and how how your plan is going to work to better all Americans' experience in the realm of entertainment. All right, here we go. <clears throat> I I'm obviously going music, so that's going to be my central focus. So okay. as the I'm going to be the overall entertainment czar, but my primary focus will be music. And the very, very first thing that I'm going to do, just to kind of give you as much of the, about this vision as I possibly can, is I'm going to appoint other sub-czars for music, sports, all that stuff. You might actually call them sub-czaros if, uh, if you want to, but they will be under – They will. oh, yeah. They will be um, under – they will be basically reporting to me, though managing um, their own respective branches as I will be taking on the music industry. And right now – the biggest challenge that the music industry faces is recovering from the coronavirus, as this has pretty much crippled the music oh, industry, yes, as it has with a lot of entertainment forms. And um, AMC Theaters took a hit. Uh, Tenant is going to be released on Blu-ray, and it's probably going to cost Warner Brothers money in some way, shape, or <laughs> yep. form. Um, so everything in entertainment is taking a hit. But since I'm a big music fan, I'm going to like add this my primary focus here. So the um, I'm just going to kind of go through all the questions and kind of answer this whole thing at, at, at once too. No, so, no problem. Go for it. Um, 
Okay, cool. So when it comes to the parameters of the plan, what I um, I told you before, the sub-zeros are the first thing. Then what we are going to do is we are going to address three vital elements of the music industry, and we're going to be um, offering benefits to these three categories, which are the venues, the fans, and the artists themselves. So I will start off with the venues, and what I'll do is I'll kind of keep these Cleveland-specific just so you get a general idea of what I'm talking about, as most people out there probably don't know what uh, – what the Echoplex is in Los Angeles is. So I'll just kind of keep these all like a little bit of Cleveland specific here. So when it comes to venues, um, the first thing that we're going to be doing is going to be tax forgiveness. And I'm going to be breaking the venues down into three different subcategories where larger venues like the Q um, and these basically these venues that could be used all year round for stuff other than concerts like basketball games and sporting event truck shows and hockey games, all that stuff. They are um, basically lined up to take the least amount of hits. They come with a basically a recession proof thing like a sports team and also pretty much a billionaire owner. So these people are tiers that I will see your tiers and I will offer you a little bit of a Kleenex, not a full Kleenex, but a little bit of it. These venues will be able to apply for a um, a 15 percent, 15 to 20% tax forgiveness, which will just kind of make up for some of their some of their lost times. At least I'm giving these people, or sorry, it's 30% forgiveness on this. Um, they just they need to be thrown a bone, okay? And if I'm going to do stuff for everybody, I have to do stuff for rich people too. Unfortunately, this kind of comes with the territory, but since I want to spread the love around, um, the rich people and things have to get a little bit of this pie as well. So I'm just throwing that out there as well. So, okay, um, the next tier of venue down is like the Agora. This is like Nautica, even Blossom to a certain degree. They're going to be able to apply for a 60% tax forgiveness. These uh, places also come with the backing of a large corporation. So once again, they're not as much in as much trouble as the next category, which is the last one, which is the smaller independent venues like the Beachland, the Grog Shop, May Halls. These places will be able to apply for 100% forgiveness. And believe me, I'm going to make the application process very, very easy. You're not going to have to meet some strict criteria. You're just basically going to have to come in there, bring a bunch of documents that can prove that you lost money throughout fiscal year 2020, and you will be offered forgiveness. This will help at least, at the way least, keep the doors open and not have them rack up debt to the government. So when it comes to the workers of these venues, um, I'm going to create a category, which I mean, it's basically a category, but I'm going to make this an official government category called the gig-based economy. These uh, people will be able to um, apply for a stimulus that um, I'm basically taking all the entertainment czars and we're going to force the hand of the president and we're creating a mass stimulus for everybody, like everybody in the country, but my own little section here. Uh, venue workers will be able to apply for some form of a stimulus money to keep themselves afloat until the venue uh, is open. Then they are allowed a two-month grace period um, where the venue has to be basically performing regularly, and that stimulus will uh, fade out. I don't necessarily know the dollar amount. That'll have to be negotiated, but we're looking at tax relief for venues and somewhat of a stimulus stimulus for the, uh, the workers themselves. So, now for the artists. So artists, everybody, they can't perform. They can't really do anything to make money. Unfortunately, 
the best thing that I'm going to be able to offer the, the artist is a stimulus as well. Like this is going to be enough money to kind of keep you on your feet to basically make sure that you don't get put into prison for your, your debts, that you're able to survive these, um, the same stimulus that the venue workers would get, the artists would be able to get the same kind of stimulus as well. But I will give them tax incentives to switch to electric vehicles for touring. This will cut down on any kind of fossil fuel uh, kind of burning. They won't have to buy their electric vehicles. They could rent it and through some kind of structured payment system, they could rent and get tax incentives for using electric cars. Uh, also tax relief um, for some artists, maybe some of the bigger ones. Um, instead of giving them a stimulus money, I will give them a tax relief based on a uh, percepted um, uh, income of 2020, like what you thought you were going to make. There will be some kind of financial release given, release something given to the Katy Perry's and the Coldplay's of the world once again, because if I'm doing this for everybody, this has to be done for everybody. The other thing, too, is that I'm going to start negotiating uh, prices on raw materials, um, things like for vinyl to make records and stuff with. I want to keep these costs down so that way any actual physical music that is sold by the band, um, they will get as much money as humanly possible. So that's a whole other thing to negotiate when it comes to plastics and uh, record sleeves, all that kind of stuff. It's just that that is going to be trying to give them as much money that they can off physical music because I'm not going to be able to just outright kind of mess around with Spotify and stuff like that. I don't want to go to war with Spotify just to give the artist five cents. It just doesn't seem like that's even a worthwhile fight and they're mm -hmm. not going to get anything out of it. So I need to do other things to make it so that they're able to make money off of their physically sold music. Then for the fans, so everybody out there, uh, fan-wise, here comes your uh, thing here. I am going to put a... <clears throat> I am going to put, hold on one second, I'm just finding it again because of my stupid goddamn phone. Okay, I am going to set a limit as to how much concert tickets can be using pre-pandemic pricing models to make sure that corporations do not overinflate ticket prices to make up for lost revenue of this year. So if it cost you $150 to go to the Rage and Run the Jewel show in 20, that was going to happen in 2020, it will cost you $150 to go to see Rage and Run the Jewels in 2021 or 2022, more likely 2022, whenever they resume that tour. So then... I am going to um, make it so that there's going to be a cap on concessions at all venues across the country. Everything is only allowed to go up 25 cents. This prevents any kind of price gouging from the venues to make up for lost revenue. There is no reason that you should walk into a place and pay $8 for a 16-ounce PBR. That's just not happening. So I'm capping all uh, concessions, all that stuff as well, just by a quarter increase for the first couple of years of this restructuring plan until things at least kind of get back to normal and then we, we can renegotiate from there. Then what I am going to do after that is, um, <clears throat> like I said, I do not believe that I'm going to have the uh, ability to fight Ticketmaster and to bring real results. That is just too much of its own kind of thing. Then it's just I am not going to be able to give the results that I want. But what I will do is I will give government grants and money to lower tier ticket distributors, stuff like Eventbrite, stuff like Ticketfly. You are going to get money and everything that I could possibly give you to buy more servers, to add more staff, so that you are able to compete with Ticketmaster and Live Nation to a certain degree. And then what happens is, is that bands or the venues or whatever, they can enter into private contracts and secondary agreements with these venues to basically maximize the most out of their situation. And if it's one of these things where if it costs 
uh, whatever it is, if it costs $100,000 for Live Nation to sell tickets to the Pearl Jam concert and Eventbrite can do that for 50000 and the venue wants to go with Eventbrite, that is totally fine. Any type of co- contract breaking with Live Nation or Ticketmaster in a financial interest of the company and the audience is completely approved by my uh, entertainment czar administration. Then uh, what I'm going to do on top of the ticket thing um, – I am going to make it, and this is just a stupid thing that I personally want. Anytime you are told the price of a concert ticket, you are told the full price. This is taxes. This is the service fees. Mm-hmm. This is everything. Every time t- ticket prices are listed by Live Nation, Ticketmaster, or Eventbrite, you know the full amount that you are paying right then and there. There's no more of these crazy surprises. So that is my that's the parameters of the plan. So um, I'm going to enforce this in the only way that I know possible, and I'm getting a fucking secret police of concert goers to go to different venues across America and report results back to me. So that's the only way that I can think to enforce this, maybe even so much as like the health inspector with a clipboard or just random concert goers with their phones that are able to take documented evidence of uh, ticket uh, concession pricing manipulation, ticket pricing manipulations, all that kind of stuff. I am going to say outright, though, that I am not touching any form of parking or anything like that. So the venue has to get something. They're getting parking and they could be happy with that. And what will happen for any penalties for violators of my rules? This is my favorite part of this entire thing, because I'm going to use money that um, the government has. We have all, I don't need to raise money for this. The government has money. Okay. There's no, you know, like we're, we're not broke and believe me, even if we were, they'll just fucking make it up some way. There's, I don't need to cut money from the military, even though I might cut a billion dollars just for the fuck of it. They have enough, but we don't, the government ain't hurting for money. I don't need to raise money for doing this. First, just pull the fucking trigger on this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to build secondary concert venues in every city that books shows normally. So Cleveland, Akron, everywhere out there will have some, basically what is just another home that you can go to. So if you're a musician and your venue uh, gets canceled for violating my rules, there's going to be another government-owned theater or government-owned establishment for you to play at that you will that you can go, you will get paid, you will collect your rate, you will get everything that was promised to you. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite the owners of the venues who lost that show, and we're going to watch the show together from my venue just to remind them how badly they fucked up. And I'm going to be running a zero-tolerance policy with this. And I did forget one more thing with the artist that I wanted to mention. I just thought about this, um, when I, the last thing that I wrote down before I sent this email to myself, and that is the government is going into the music festival industry. What I'm going to do is I'm going to personally curate a series of music festivals all throughout the country, and um, the government is going to be the financial backing, and we are going to be taking money from ticket sales and um, any type of like you know any type of money we are going to be getting our cut in some way, shape, or form. And what this is going to be able to do is going to give the fans an opportunity to see bands that they like at a reasonable price, and it's also going to give the opportunity for the bands to uh, make more money because I'm looking to drive competition. So that is the plan. That is Adam Chemelewski, the music entertainment czar. That was awesome. That, that was a, that was A, not what I expected, and B, way, way detailed and really fucking awesome. I really don't have questions for you because like I, like I, I should have been taking notes. Um, someone legitimately needs to get in touch with you 
Um, you know, someone in the music industry, I mean, someone who like runs like a coalition of, you know, of theater and, uh, and concert venue owners, they need to get a hold of you because that plan makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I mean, it's obviously, it makes perfect sense if you're a venue owner, if you're a concert goer, if you're a band, uh, it makes perfect sense. But like, this is the kind of thinking we need because holy shit, our live venues suffering right now suffering yes they are dude believe me i get it on instagram all the time there's all these venues that are doing really innovative ways to stay open like it's a concert venue that's delivering food or beer or something like that these people are hurting and being that this is one of my favorite forms of entertainment i'm going all in for them and i appreciate the praise thank you very much that was really good i can't honestly i can't wait to go ahead and pull uh pull a couple of uh of of, you know minute-long quotes for that for the preview too that was really good Hell yeah, dude. Thank you very much. So how about right. you? What is what are you gonna be the czar of? Lay out the plan. So this is this is a tough act to follow. So um as the entertainment czar, I think my my first my first order of business is something that I am calling the minute reduction plan for popular film. AKA make movies short again. Now, we compl- I complain about it on the show all the time how fucking long every goddamn movie has gotten. They don't need to be this long. We can cut so much dead space out of every single movie and get them down to a reasonable time. I am tired of watching fucking three and a half hour comedies and three hour horror movies. That is ridiculous. So I do want to sort of lay out the parameters for each, because each genre of movie, and these aren't, these aren't completely expansive. If you were to try to, if you were to try to name all the genres of movies, we'd be here all fucking night doing this. But when you think about when you think about like the Oscars, right? There are some set genres of movies in which they award things and would and how you think about the movies. So I want to go through the genres first because these are kind of important. Well, these are very important. So we're talking dramas, comedies, action adventure, musicals, animated, documentary films, and I'm leaving genre films separate. Now, I'll, I'll get into each one here individually. Dramas include war movies, historical movies, biopics, crime dramas, and thrillers. Comedies include rom-coms, and they include kids' movies. Uh, Action-adventure, they're pretty straightforward. I don't need to get into that. Musicals are musicals. Animated movies, and what I mean by animated movies, movies not specifically geared towards kids. So there are kids animated movies and things like that. I'm talking about things that aren't, spe- you know, like a, a like a big Pixar movie isn't just a kids movie. That's an animated movie, right? Um, <clears throat> documentary film, very straightforward. We know what that is. Genre film, I'm talking sci-fi, westerns, and horror movies. Those are that's how I'm going to lay out. That's how I'm going to lay out these these uh, these genres and subgenres. Now. Let's start with dramas. This is like the, you know, this is the big one. This is the big one in Academy Awards night. Uh, dramas have always won, other than like when you go back far enough, you get to musicals and stuff winning uh, for best picture. But anyway, starting with dramas, and I'm just giving you the upper ends of where these movies need to end. I don't care if you want to make a fucking 20 minute drama somehow. Great. That's fantastic. Um, but in terms of the upper ends, that's what I'm talking about with these time limits here. Um, for dramas, Chema. Your ceiling, your top limit is 120 to 160 minutes. That's two hours to two hours and 40 minutes. There are exceptions, an exception for dramas. If you're, you know, if you're the, if you're directing some epic, like, um, you know, some, you're, you're doing a, a, an epic about, um, 
I don't know, some some Roman general. All right. Or you're doing a war movie, you know, about like World War Two. So there's going to be some big battle scenes or big set pieces. There's going to be you're going to need more time to sort of, you know, work those into your story. So those kind of movies like some World War Two big battle drama that can go up to 180 minutes. That can be three hours long. But that's it. That's your cutoff. Comedies. 90 to 100 minutes. You get an hour and 30 to an hour and 40 minutes. Exceptions. Movies heavy with sight gags, if there's like a lot of physical comedy where stuff kind of needs to play out and set up, or you have a lot of brainy satire. Then you can get all the way up to 110 minutes. That's an hour and 50 minutes. Chema, that is a reasonable time to tell a comedic story. 150 minutes. Your action-adventure movies. 100 to 120 minutes. Um, Exceptions here. Again, sort of similar to the war movie kind of stuff. Bigger set pieces with a lot of complicated parts, like you have a chase scene or something. Um, you know, you have, um, some kind of big, big special effects battle or like thinking about something like the rage, you have like these intense martial arts scenes. Then you can expand all the way up to an 140 minutes, two hours and 20 minutes. That's it. Musicals, 110 to 130 minutes. There are no exceptions. You had better, better get in under 130 minutes. Animated movies, 90 to 100 minutes. There are no exceptions. That's it. You have you have an hour and a half to an hour and 40 minutes to tell your fucking story. Documentary movies. 100 to 120 minutes. The exceptions being war documentaries, because again, we're going to see battle stuff. We're going to get in depth with that. Uh, biographies on people or, you know, or sports docs. Those, you're going to have some action sequences and other things that kind of get in there. So documentary movies up to 140 minutes. Genre films. Um, 90 to 100 minutes. I shouldn't need to watch a Western for three hours. Now, there are exceptions. Again, hard sci-fi, psychological horror movies, and historical weapons. You can go all the way up to two hours, 120 minutes. Now, how am I going to enforce this? Glad you asked, Chema. Um, I'm going to comprise a five-person panel uh, that is going to handle all of the handle all of the appeals and reviews of movies that don't fit those time requirements. Um, this five-person panel is going to be comprised of, at least to start off, and obviously this will be rotating. It could be an elected position, probably an appointed position by me. But here's who I'm starting off with. Since he's fresh in our minds, John Carpenter is going to be one of those. Because he's fresh in my mind, but also because, as you very astutely pointed out, he never directed a movie over two hours long. Um, Christopher Nolan is on this panel. Christopher Nolan has directed extremely long movies, but none of his movies feel like they drag. So he might have a two hour and 40 minute action movie and at no point does it drag. He also has some experience in short films too. He's that's actually how he got to start doing short films as actually most Mm -hmm. directors do. Um, Speaking of short films, Don Hertzfeld is on this panel. Don Hertzfeld is exclusively a short filmmaker and he's been nominated for several Academy Awards for some of his movies like world of tomorrow. Um, Don Hertzfeld knows how to tell a compelling story Thinking specifically of World of Tomorrow He knows how to tell a compelling story That's kind of heartbreaking In about 18 minutes Um, I also want Phoebe Waller-Bridge on this panel She is obviously an actress But she's also a TV writer TV writers are really great at telling stories In a condensed period of time Um, And I'm also going to include for the same reasons I'm going to include Issa Rae on this panel as 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 a TV writer and actress who writes very short, essentially writes very short stories. Um, so that's my appeal board, if you will. 
Um, they're going to look at, you know, once we, once these movies get, you know, brought to the appeal board, they're going to go ahead and make a decision on whether or not the movie is exempt. If it continues, still continues to be in violation of our, you know, of these standards that I'm setting out. And it could be, you know, there could be a number of reasons besides time. Um, obviously the time appeal is going to be the biggest one. You know, they think this movie should be this long because of this reason. Um, but probably they're going to handle a lot of genre issues because there's things that overlap. You could have a hard sci-fi movie that is a drama, and that panel is going to determine if if it fits better into the genre film category or if it fits better into the drama category. Um, and there's going to be some special requests that go through this panel as well. Maybe some comedy director thinks that it's it's a comedy drama. It's a dramedy, so he needs a very extended period of time to tell the story. The that will go in front of the panel too, and they'll make that determination if they're going to approve you know, approve that request. So once the, once the panel makes that recommendation, it then comes to me to levy the penalties. Now there is sort of like a tier system to this, right? You, you can be, you know, there's four violations essentially um, for these particular directors. Uh, if they, if they violate, um, if they violate these time, these time standards or any other standard that it's, or genre standard that they're not meeting. Um, first penalty, it's a percentage fine based on the budget of the film. And the director has to sit and watch their film and is not allowed to go to the bathroom the entire time. <laughs> um, we'll take that fine and we'll put it, you know, we'll put it to, um, we'll take that fine and we'll put it to use, like, in, like, uh, those, like, Save Our Arts programs, you know, the endowment for the American arts. It'll go to a good place, right? Second of penalty. Course. Film is taken out of awards contention. If you are a repeat offender and you're making some some biopic about some, you know, unheralded musician out of Mississippi, and that thing is f- fucking three and a half hours long, and this is your second warning, that that movie gets taken out of all awards contention. We're talking Oscars, SAG Awards, People's Choice, Golden Globes, you're out. You're done. You made Oscar bait movies, and you're not going to get rewarded for it. Third penalty. If you still haven't learned your lesson at this point, the film is released online for free. So it's not going to make you any money. It's not going to make your studio any money. Congratulations, you've done fucked up. So the movie's going to be released online for free to all the streaming services. Have at it. Um, And the director goes to movie jail for a year. Not an actual jail. But they're only allowed to work on direct-to-TV movie sequels and sci-fi disaster movies. That's it. (laughs) It's all they can work on. Oh, my God. The fourth... Oh, amazing, oh, real quick. Amazing. The fourth, the fourth tier, the fourth time penalty. This is your last penalty. It's a public execution. Not really. <laughs> it's a filmed public. You have to film your own death, quote unquote. So there's, it's going to be like a short film of you. You know, you're, you're some director who's now reached his fourth penalty, his or her fourth penalty. I want you to put all your resources and artistic vision into like essentially like a, um, a passion of the Christ death scene for you that you are going to die on the cross or die however in some spectacular fashion and you know the entire in the entire scene like just thinking of passion of the christ we're gonna like we're gonna you know it's gonna be people whipping the director letting them know that this is for this is for making a goddamn comedy that's two and a half hours long everyone knows it and everyone knows why you had to film that scene and chumma that's it that is that is my that is my make movies short again um, you know, for the, for the short, you know, the, the little colloquial name there, or as I like to call it, the minute reduction plan for popular film. 
I absolutely fucking love that. God damn it, dude. Like, I'm not going to lie. There's a little bit of twitching in my pants when you were talking about <laughs> shortening the length of movies and stuff. I'm telling you the fact that it is so detailed, the fact that there is a, taking an account for manipulating the genre and people trying to work around it and everything. It is extremely, extremely thought out. And I love every minute of that. Like the panel itself, like, Dude, of course Phoebe Waller-Bridge needs to be on a panel. I fucking love the Phoebes. Like, God damn, I think I'd, I'd rob a liquor store for the Phoebes right now. But, uh, yeah, man, like, Jesus Christ, the penalty is filming your own. That is the way to cap it off right there. That is, like, a way of raising the stakes to the most, to the to the farthest extreme and totally fucking delivering on that, whereas the form of ultimate punishment for violations of your laws, and I do love the super authoritarian take on this whole thing, is you actually making a production of your own death. That is just fucking goddamn great. I love it. I was, it, I really like, because I, I was really, when we did our, when we did our John Carpenter spooky season episodes, I was just like so refreshed that I got through the in the mouth of madness in an hour and 37 minutes. I was fucking yeah. refreshed that I got through a psychological horror movie that fast. Um, dude, these, they're so good. I wanted to watch more of them. Like, yeah. He's like, this is amazing. Yeah, no, it's, it, it really is. And, and in all seriousness, I think a lot of directors could take notes from short film directors. I'm, t- I'm telling you right now, the world of tomorrow is a great movie. Um, great short film. There is, there is an unparalleled skill in being able to tell a complete story. And in this case, I think it's, I think, I think the movie is 16 minutes and like 18 seconds long. And it covers this girl's birth, life, cloning, time travel, and death. Jesus. And it all and makes all sense. And it's all like very, that. it's very crushing. And it's all in about 16 minutes. Yeah, I'm telling you, dude, that is a fucking art form, man. Like, it is just, it is a goddamn art form to be able to do stuff like that. To put that in, to co- tell a cohesive story in that much level of time that involves like the introduction and basically like the struggles and development of a character is it's fucking incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And I, again, just, this is something we really talk about. Like when you met, you, you brought up um, funny people, right? Last week mm-hmm. or, you know, last yeah. episode, that movie is oh, yeah. way too long, way too long Two even pushing. What is it? Two hours and 40 minutes. Oh, dude, yeah, it's easily two hours yeah. and 40 minutes. It's disgusting. You couldn't lop off movie... 50 minutes of that? I think you could. Oh, the movie ends four different times. They could have lopped off so yeah. much of that goddamn yeah. shit. It's not even funny. Like, and that's, I just don't get that. Like, I do not understand the idea of the two and a half hour long comedy. Like, at some point in time, the jokes will not be funny anymore. People are going to get sick of the same punchlines, cadences, and rhythms. It's just that's yeah. the fucking truth. So there you go. There, there are our, our plans for uh, you know for our appointment to the entertainment czar. Um, I, I I like both of our plans. Yours was unbelievably like. I would almost believe that like if like if if you told me if someone told me that um, you know some politician you know some local politician in L.A. made that plan, I would one hundred percent believe it. It sounds it sounds so detailed and so precise and it makes sense that it was fucking fantastic well i do appreciate that dude and believe me if there's anybody out there in the world that needs help on this we are here for you as always (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's uh real quickly here before we wrap up um let's just pretend that somehow we're we've been made president of the united states um we can like trump is very fond of doing we can just go ahead and issue executive orders um which kind of really don't amount to anything 
but just pretend that they do for this case. Um, I want you to issue an executive order in sports, one in sports, one in movies, one in music, one in politics. So maybe maybe an actual kind of real executive order. Um, one in television and one just in culture in general. All right, no problem. We're going to go right on down the list here. Okay, so sports. The day after the Super Bowl is now a national holiday. Love it. You're welcome, America. Love it's been, it. It's it's been in it's been talked about forever. I'm actually going to make that happen. I'm going to do that for you. I love it. Hey, let's for a movie. Let's, let's let's just go oh, back and forth. Yeah, let's. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. Yeah, cool. I love that. I love that one. Um, so Super Bowl, that's perfect. Um, love that idea. I am going to go with banning the shift in baseball. There's a goddamn reason why everyone hits 230 now in, in baseball. It's because when you put five guys on one side of the field, someone's going to catch it. Um, I don't mind you pulling over to one side or the other, but I don't want to see fucking five outfielders, six infielders on one side. It's ridiculous. That shouldn't be allowed to happen. Just, you know, show off your goddamn athleticism if you're a shortstop or a second baseman or if you're an outfielder. Show it off. We don't need to put eight people on one side. Banning the shift. Right. Yeah, dude, don't, like, you're right. Let these people show their off their athleticism and actually let the game have a little bit more offense. Yeah. Uh, movies. Okay, Joaquin Phoenix is no longer allowed to, or he's not doing any more roles as the Joker. Joker was designed to be a standalone film, mm-hmm. and as much as it kind of pains me to do this, it will remain a standalone film. He's not, we're going to need to let the Joker kind of go into retirement for a little while to give some room for development of new DC villains. So the Joker were done for a while. I am wholeheartedly with you on that one. It's such a singular performance. Um, yeah, it, 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 he does it. If he, if he does another, he, I don't think he'd agree to it anyway, unless he's like under some lot, some heavy contract. Um, but if he was, if you were to do another one, it really reduces the, what the, what the original character means, what, what his version exactly. of the Joker means. It totally takes everything that's special about that movie and just throws it out the window. That's yep. exactly right. Yep. Totally. What's yours? Uh, reduction of seats in movie theaters. Let's in, Ooh. And I'm even including some of the older legacy theaters, your, your second-run theaters. You can pop some of those seats out and give us a little bit more space. That's all I want, just a little more space. Dude, I'm a big guy. I completely support this whole thing. Like, I only actually pretty much only go to movie theaters that do have the reclining chairs and everything yep. like that. And if there was some way to me to go to like a regular theater and enjoy a movie comfortably, I'm all fucking for it, dude. Yep. I'm all for it. Leg, more legroom in 2022 or whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> Music. Oh, this is one of my favorite. This is one of my favorite ones out of this whole thing. I am taking. The Wu-Tang Clan's Once Upon a Time in Shaolin from the Southern District of New York, where it is currently in possession from uh, getting it from idiot pharma douche Martin Shkreli, Yep. who did pay, t- he paid $2 million for the album. So what I'm going to do is, Wu-Tang, you guys can keep the money, like you're just going to put it on Spotify and everything, but I'm going to allow you to, um, you're going to own the music so that way you can license it for movies and commercials and stuff. But uh, the people will hear that album in an Adam Chmielewski administration. Fucking like it. Absolutely. Fuck Martin Shkreli, just in general. Um, yeah. But yeah, the 100%, 100% behind you on that one. Um, music festivals, Chema, music festivals will be required to include rock bands as 20% of the acts. Um, there was, once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a Coachella that had zero rock bands in it. Really? Yep. Which one? 2017? Which, 2016? 
No shit. No rock acts. There was there was like a there was a couple of Latin bands that kind of you know border on the idea of rock, but there were no rock bands in it. Um, music festivals, even if they're a hip hop festival, twenty percent of your acts. If you have forty bands going or forty acts going, there's got to be eight rock bands. Yeah, I I'm all for this fucking music festivals need to return to rock bands. They're being taken over by EDM and stuff. I actually like that hip hop is getting more of a, a, a yeah, time in sure. the limelight in the festival circuit, but these music festivals that exist in Miami, like ultra where ultra, it's 250 mm-hmm. yeah, movements in Detroit that are mm-hmm. like 250 DJs and somehow everybody who goes to them knows all the fucking DJs. Yeah. We're, we're abolishing that right now. You have to have uh, rock bands of some kind. That's a great idea. How about uh, politics? This might be a serious one or not. Mine's actually kind of serious, so. I'm putting the wheels in motion to abolish the Electoral College. <laughs> However, go. I fucking have to do it. <laughs> the original, the, the starting wheels will be will be turned by an executive order issued by me. I may not be in office by the time it actually does get abolished. I may not even be alive. But when people are going to remember who was the one who got the wheels in motion to get rid of this fucking mess. It is Adam Chemielewski. I like it. I am in favor of that. And Chema, I am putting term limits on all federal, state, and local elected positions. You can't be mayor of a town for 30 years. You can't be a fucking senator for 40 years. Sorry. There's, there's gotta be, there's gotta be some changeover. Um, we can't have the same people in charge of the same places all the time. Yep. I absolutely love it. That needs to happen. Needs to happen. Yes. How about uh, how about in television? I am. This is a simpler one. I am ordering a proper finale to Mindhunter. It is completely ridiculous yeah. that they just kind of up and canceled this show. Um, and I know that they there's this thing on Wikipedia I saw from Fincher where he's like, hey, maybe in five years we're going to do it, again, which is basically like Hollywood for the same thing. Never seen the fucking light of day again. Yep. So I am authorizing Netflix to issue the funds to give Mindhunter a proper send off. I am all in favor of that. Apparently, Fincher also said it's deeply expensive. So I, I have I have to assume that's that's the main reason why it was canceled. Yeah, all those set pieces and everything, and just yeah. the vintage and stuff. Yeah, I, I could see that, but I want it finished, and I'm going to make it happen. Such a great show. Um, I am Chema. I am consolidating the streaming options. There are so many goddamn streamers available right now. We need to push them. We need to. There needs to be some kind of deal where, you know, more of those, like, independents, like, the CBSs and AMCs and some of the other ones are underneath the, like, Amazon branch or underneath the Netflix, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. We need to consolidate these streaming options because you could literally... People complain about the cost of, you know, your traditional cable and everything else. Well, if you... To sign up for enough of these streamers, you're going to go fucking broke, too. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you fucking bet. My bill is entering into where I'm getting uncomfortable with it kind of things. Yeah. And I'm, I'm lucky just, just picks up two of our many streaming services. So yeah, consolidate those bitches down at some point in time. It is going to happen. Yeah. Like at some point in time, there's going to be consolidations, but we need to get those wheels moving as fast as humanly possible before the streaming thing becomes so worn out that we're all doing cable again. Yep. How about uh, culture? I didn't, I just kind of left, I didn't put pop culture in. I just kind of want to leave this as wide as possible. So culture. Okay. So this one, I am waiting for this one. Oh my God. Am I waiting for this one where athleisure is acceptable in all fucking forums, (laughs) expensive, expensive restaurants. 
I am wearing the fucking athleisure pants. And also I picked up on hooded t-shirts, which are the greatest goddamn clothing invention ever. Um, these are, I want nice restaurants. I want weddings, everything in America. And if I could do it, the world too. our customs, everything athleisure is now acceptable. I am. You have no idea how on board with that. I am. I fucking hate. I, I don't like, I don't mind going to a wedding or some kind of event and looking sharp, I think that's different. I really don't want to wear khakis to the office every day. Like, that's like, yeah. I, that gets old. Oh, definitely, dude. Yeah, athleisure is where it's at. If it yep. looks like it's sweatpants, but it kind of looks normal, let's fucking make this happen. Absolutely. Um, so I like that one. Uh, my, culture, my culture executive order here, banning anyone associated with the Kardashians from social media until the next election. I don't want to hear. Could not agree more. I, I don't want to hear from you guys until after 2024 has been decided, and maybe by then Kanye will have figured out that no one's going to vote for him. We don't have to hear from him anymore. Yeah, dude, I, something needs to be done about them. And it's like even this birthday party shit or whatever that they did this past weekend. Like, don't they know? Just like it's just this is not the time and place for this. Like, even if you do have this party. Don't put it on social media. This is the one thing in the world you don't need to get likes over. Okay. Yeah. Like we get it. You're, you're rich. You're able to fucking test your whole family. Uh, somebody made a hologram of Robert Kardashian. Who's, you know, probably like one of the only like respectable people out of that entire group. <laughs> and, and, um, we don't need to know about that and they could go fucking chill out and do nothing for a couple of years. All for it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So just to finish up here, this has been a long, a long political episode. Hey, it's fine. The, the election is, as we're recording this, the election is still ongoing, so why not? But um, as we do leave here, Chema, just a couple of quick questions. Um, I should say, do you remember? But what was when was the first time you voted for president? I'm assuming Man. it was not 2000. You weren't old enough, correct? No, correct. I missed the um, opportunity to vote in 2000 by two years. Yes, you okay. bet. So I was only six, 16 or something like that at the time. Um, yeah, but so the first, uh, believe it or not, dude, I'm actually a late bloomer. Um, I voted the first presidential election was for Obama. Um, I, even though I was of age in 2004, I actually lived in Florida. I lived in Broward County during the time of the mm -hmm. election and I moved, uh, I moved in like, Jesus Christ, I think September and the election was obviously in November and, I, I, to be honest with you, dude, I was probably so high and drunk. I didn't even know if uh, I had was eligible to vote. I, I wasn't like necessarily thinking about establishing residency in Florida. I still had Ohio plates, Ohio, or I didn't have a car down there. I mean, I, we had a community car. It's fucking ridiculous. I want to get into it right now, but, um, <laughs> I had an, I had a, um, Ohio driver's license. Um, yeah, dude. So like it's, uh, I just didn't really put forth the effort and everything. I wasn't necessarily as politically conscious as I was. And then right around the time when I got back from Florida, which would have been like it would have been like it actually would have been a month after the election in 04. Um, that's when like I had to kind of move back home and get my life together. And nothing will make you more aware of the world than having to move out on your own and everything all of a sudden becomes expensive and you're in a recession. So my eyes actually sort of opened up a little bit during the Bush years and the thus meaning the first presidential vote I ever casted was to vote that dumb shit out of office who I'm not going to lie in compared to Trump. I'd take George Bush any day of the fucking week. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Pretty I know much. it sucks that I have to say that. It sucks I have to say that, but yeah, dude. So that yeah. that was my first one was uh, Obama in uh, 2008. There you go. Um, I actually voted for John Kerry in 2004. 
um, nice. at, you know, at, it was at was at Bowling Green, and actually, I, do I did I I can't remember if I voted in Bowling Green. Yeah, I voted in Bowling Green, um, and like that was that was sort of the like I said, first time voting for the president, um, because I, I missed I missed two thousand by a couple months basically, um, mm-hmm. and. <clears throat> Honestly, I'm kind of glad that I wasn't 18 in 2000 because I think that if I had the opportunity to vote in in that presidential election that I would have been extremely disenfranchised as a young voter knowing everything that happened and that we didn't get a president until like middle of December. Um like I just would have been pretty enfranchi- disenfranchised by that. But so I had to wait until the next cycle, and I voted for that wiener, John Kerry. Yeah, but at least you didn't vote for George W. Bush, dude, which is good enough for me, man. And I got to tell you, like at that point in time, like I, I thought Bush in September 11th, it was now just time to get this guy out of office. But no, that was not the case. That guy totally cleaned house as far as uh, votes and everything like that go. Man, it's just yeah. a fucking crazy time. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Um, so, lastly, here, just if if you've you know any idea on this, do you th- of real current political figures, who do you think will be president in twenty twenty four? I, but just go ahead. I, I'm not going to preface that with anything. Who do you think is going to be president okay. in twenty twenty four? Okay. So, I really wish that I had a little bit better results on the election to kind of give you what I think would be a more educated guess, but. Uh, I got to say, like, I either think the election in 2024 is probably going to come down to Kamala Harris versus Ivanka. Like, I, I don't I think somewhere in there they're going to give this whole Trump thing another another go around or whatever. Somebody's going to be like, what could we do in 2024 that we couldn't do in, in uh, 2020 and everything? So I, I think that the Republicans are going to resort to defaulting to another uh another member of the Trump family, they, all these other, who, who else do they got really? Like, I mean, they've Tom Cotton, fuck that guy. Like, and, um, I just don't know who else they have. So I'm saying Ivanka is probably going to run against Kamala Harris. Like I, I don't see Joe Biden running again. Um, you know, for, for even if he's in the greatest of possible health, I just see Joe Biden as the guy that, um, all right, I'm stepping up here. My position now is to get Donald Trump out of office. And now that he's fulfilled his goal, he's held basically every job that one could possibly want to hold in politics. And he could go like just retire and hold his head up high. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. Um, yeah, I, I think obviously, again, we, we are recording this before we know, you know the final before it, like anyone can make a completely full tabulation of everything that's going on here. Um, so let's just let's just say it goes the way it's been going and Biden and Harris win. I I do think I do think that the Republican Party is going to have a tough time convincing America that like listen, you loved Donald Trump, how about Donald Trump Jr.? Um because he's a fucking moron and he I just don't think he has the same sort of populist pull that his dad had. I just I don't mm-hmm. see that whatsoever. He's he's an internet troll. He's there's a lot of there's a lot there's too many people that don't like him. Basically, I, I that that would make him yeah. unelectable. No one would want to run with him. I, I just I also think he'd be so easy to attack in primaries. Um, look at look at everything that happened that happened the past four years. All the dumb things he said. He'd be so easy to attack. Yeah. So of course, I I think that twenty twenty four. Kamala Harris is probably going to be our president. 
Dude, I will fucking take that, man. I will gladly take that. Um, yeah, and when when we get off, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you one of the reasons why. It's just something I'm not entirely confident sharing via the podcast, gotcha. but I will tell you when we exit well, the air for sure. How about uh, how about you lead us out of here then, uh, and you can tell me that off air. <laughs> Yes, you bet. I definitely will. So yeah, sorry about that. I, this is something I think I've been wanting to tell you. I just I now I actually can segue right into it. So, OK. Anyway, everybody, thank you very much for tuning into uh, our electric extravaganza. Hopefully by the time this episode airs, we'll have a little bit of a better idea as who the president of the United States will be. But Adam Chevalewski, Matthew Pagel, we are the occasionalists. We're thanking you for tuning in with us. So go Biden. Hopefully by the next time we uh, all see each other, we'll be able to um, make some comments on who actually won the election. So thank you very much, everyone.